What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. My name is Jason Hartwell from JK Blades, and I'm here today, as always, with Ryan Coakley from Chadbourne Knifeworks. Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. One of these days, I'll learn your name. Uh, <laughs> today, we got a super awesome, extra special, super duper guest on here with us. And uh, I'm only saying that because that's what I've heard from the whole world. So this is going to be a fun show. We got Mike Jones from Mike Jones Knife and Tool in the house with us today. What's up, Mike? Woo woo! Hey guys, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. I, I should clarify, I'm not I'm not the same Mike Jones as the rapper or the professional dirt biker. Those are other guys. So. <laughs> well, I think it's cool. Yeah, I've heard about you before, but you know, just mostly through other Canadian makers, kind of hearing your name. And um, when you won Ryan's knife in that raffle, that was kind of the first time that I had watched one of your videos and kind of, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like if you watch a video of a maker, you learn a lot more, you feel more connected than if you just scroll through and look at a picture of his knife. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. you. I mean, you get so much more from seeing somebody and hearing their, their voice and hearing them talk than, yeah. than photos for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my first introduction to you, and then Ryan told me you were coming on the show. So I was kind of thinking, you know, should I try to talk to him and get to know him a little bit ahead of time? But I figured, no, let's do it right here. Make it legit. Yeah, why not? Yeah, save it for the podcast. Absolutely. it's That's cool that uh, that my name got around a little bit. We're a much smaller community up here in Canada than you guys down south, for sure. But, um, yeah, it's the Internet's making the world a whole lot smaller place, so it's... It's good to get around. I, I think most of us wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for the internet nowadays, or at least not the ones that we have. Definitely not this job, that's <laughs> for sure, yeah. I wouldn't have any side income, that's for sure. Yeah, you're still rocking the full-time gig. Mm-hmm. You keep on with these fancy diamond grinds, you're not going to have time for no lawnmowers. You're going to have to go full-time. I have 14 knives I have to do right now, and I'm like, what the fuck? How am I even going to pull this off? Yeah, but you've only been at it for like six, seven months or something. Is that right? Um, I made my first knife three years ago, and I've been doing it seriously for a year in my okay. spare in my spare time. I'm still a part timer. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how fast guys are progressing now. Than I mean, maybe I was just a real slow learner or something, but I was. I mean, I was part time for four years um, before I made the jump, but. I mean, my progression, I look back at some of my old knives and stuff and it was slow going. And nowadays, like that knife you sent me, it was just like, holy smokes, this is how what, you, you're still counting how many blades you've made. Is that right? You kind yeah, of have that, an idea. Of- yeah. The one, so the one I have, the one you got was probably number 45 or 46, somewhere in there. Yeah, see, that's mind blowing. That's <laughs> I look back at, I look back at forty five. I look back at like number one forty five, and it was like, man, there's some serious growing to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I appreciate that, and like your review of the knife was like mind blowing to me because I was fully expecting you to be like, yeah, it's decent, but you can tell he's amateur, you know, blah blah blah. But no, that's not how it went down, and I was like, oh my god. The longer you stay in it, the obviously kind of the more things you learn to look for uh, and, and the details you learn to appreciate. Um, so it's it's kind of fun that way. Like I know I understand people get really sketched about uh, other makers looking at their stuff and 
you know, just going through it, looking for mistakes or looking for stuff to criticize, which I don't think most guys really do. Um, but it's a, that's definitely a natural fear to have. But now for me, when I look at stuff like that. I'm just like, Oh wow. Look at, he did this. I mean, I, I kind of said as much as I, as I meant to in that video, um, which is why I had to do the video. Cause I was just like, Holy shit. Look at like, all those things, like where the grind lines <laughs> exit the spine and all those things, like how even all that was and um, just all, yeah, all that stuff. You just, um, right before I started making knives, I actually went and bought one from, because I've always just liked knives and stuff, but um, I went and bought one from uh, Groman, which is another Canadian brand from the East Coast. They've been around a long time and they're a bit bigger outfit, but uh, I went and bought one of those and I still have it and I still look back to it every once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll pick it up and look over it. And each, each time I'll find stuff that I didn't appreciate about it before or little things that I didn't notice, or, you know, I've just kind of been comparing my progression to it, um, which has been kind of nice to be able to look back and just have that, that reference point, that baseline that I can kind of judge my own work by, um, but yeah, that, that knife that you made, like I, my wife has four or five knives in our kitchen. Um, they're all like the defects or <laughs> they have blemishes or whatever ones that I just finished anyways and gave to her. And, uh, but she does, she has four or five of my knives and yours is now her favorite that she grabs every time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. I, I'm honored a hundred percent. I, I do the same thing. If I have a fucked up blade, I'll, <clears throat> I'll use it in the kitchen. And uh, I made my wife dishwash her favorite knife that I've brought in from the shop just because it's got the micarta handles, so I wanted to see if it would hold up. Oh, wow. I mean, it's still together. I said, all right, do it again. And we'll, do it, <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll, we'll do it five or six times and see if it fails. But Yeah, it's good to test your work like that. Yeah. Um, how's that knife performing? Very well. Awesome. Good. Uh, the, the release point works excellent. Uh, it's a nice size. It was a lot bigger than I was expecting it to be when we got it. And she said the same thing. She's like, how am I going to, her, her favorite knife previous to that was like a six or seven inch blade or something. And, um, but not, it's, it's become, the balance is so nice. The handle's nice and comfortable. It's easy to I use. I appreciate that. Perfect. Is that, is that hemp wood holding up? I actually still haven't got to cleaning that up yet. Um, but it hasn't got much worse just on the one side i don't know what it is about that stuff but yeah some just some um um yeah just some of the fibers i guess because it's kind of a pressed together material right it's almost Mm -hmm. like an osb sort of idea where they they take a bunch of fibers and press them together and uh, yeah some of them just were peeling out yeah i'm not using that for a primary handle material anymore Uh, like i'll use it as a spacer or a bolster but for the whole length of the handle i mean it's super cool material though like it's that grain because it's got that that pressed together kind of look is super neat and the color is um i imagine i haven't really looked into that stuff much but i imagine they dye it a whole bunch of different colors i'm not sure i didn't ask him um that green is nice though it's yeah it looks good i've got an orange and a yellow block too okay there you go yeah yeah so what's uh what's been going on in your world Oh, knife world or otherwise? (laughs) Either or. We're we're random here. Getting busy around here. It's spring coming up, and I live on a bit of a property, and so there's all kinds of projects that we just moved here a year and a half ago. 
So we haven't had a lot of time to uh, really get our hands dirty with this place. So there's lots of projects that have been building up on a list that we've just been waiting for the good weather. So there's lots coming up and I've already kind of started the, the place hasn't really been maintained in the last four or five years. The previous owners didn't really do much. So there's a lot of work to do. So yeah. there's that, that coming up and it's been winter. So I've been just uh, picking up new hobbies that I'm not going to have time for <laughs> all summer long. So I've yeah, I started getting into reloading uh, rifle cartridges so that I can shoot more and ammo is really hard to find. So it's might as well make your own. And, uh, and then I just got a compound bow. So I've been shooting that a little bit just kind of for fun. And, uh, all, all things that um, are distracting me from actually making knives, <laughs> but <laughs> that's still going steady, still busy, which has been great. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I had a bit of a drop off during COVID there. Oh, yeah. Um, especially kind of like the first six months when everyone was freaking out that they weren't going to have any money. And, um, so I definitely had a bit of a drop off there, but it's been holding steady. So that's been good. And I'm about to do another run of those production knives, um, that I, I kind of outsourced a lot of the, a lot of the, um, heavy lifting, a lot of the, you know, just the cutting out of the blades and the heat treating and, um, even CNC rough shaping and cutting out the handles. I outsourced a lot of that to another Canadian fair forge works. And, um, and then I just do all the kind of the finishing here and outsourced to a Kydex company to do the sheath too. So I just kind of had a, just sort of a different line under the same sort of umbrella that was, uh, a little more price point than yeah. uh, full custom stuff. So I'm about to, he started another run, Grayson Fair. He started another run of those blades this week. So, are you grinding cool. in the bevels on those? I am, yeah. And um, that's I keep bugging him to learn how to CNC rough in the bevels on me <laughs> because that would be that be so much less work because they're hardened, hardened stainless. Once I get them, and the big ones are three sixteenths thick, so it's a lot of it's a lot of meat to take off to grind through those those bevels and keep them cool. Um, so yeah, I basically just, um, clean up the shape a little bit cause the water jet's not perfect, perfect. Um, and then grind in the bevels, glue the handles on and then clean up and finish the handle shape and pretty much and sharpen it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So do yeah. you do, I'm kind of looking through your, your feed right now. I've got one hell of an echo in here, guys. I'm sorry. Um, do you do any of your own Kydex? I'm seeing a lot of leather work. On yeah, your I've, on your feed, I built a little press and I do Kydex here and there. Um, it's it's just it's another one of those tools that's uh, that um, does its job really well for what it is. Right, like if you need something to snap in or you want someone, you get a customer who requests it because they want to run it a knife vertical or, uh, or like inverted upside down on a pack pack strap or something like that. Um, it's definitely a good a good tool to have in your bag if you can do it. Um, so yeah, I do a little bit of it myself, but these ones that I'm getting this guy on Vancouver Island, Comox custom Kydex. And, uh, he does such a nice job. That's, I mean, it's his thing, right? So right. I can, I can do it and it turns out nice enough, but his are just like, and he's, and he's fast and you know, he's, he's set up to do it properly. So yeah, that's the one right there. You show me that's the MJ three, the big one on the, on the out of the three yeah that's that sheet right there that caught my eye immediately because one thing you know i do my own kydex and i feel like i do a pretty damn good job with it but 
the top, you know, I think they call it like a thumb, thumb something. You the know, ramp that you push yeah, on? Yeah, thumb yeah. ramp. When I try to make those, I have a problem with, even with clamps, when I reheat that area, it, it kind of wants to loosen up. Because, you know, Kydex wants to lay flat, even yeah. if it's already been folded over. If you heat it up again without rivets, it'll just flatten right back out. Yeah, it's got a memory. Yeah. So that, you know, that's that's some really good work. Yeah, I've I've played around with that. I mean, the, the trick that I've found to, to making that little thumb ramp is, like you say, after you press it, um, I'll rivet mine. Mm-hmm. All, you know, done. And then just, like, really gently with the heat gun on it, not too close, just, like, just just kind of the the idea is you really need to focus that heat on that one spot because like you say if you get down the spine it tries to open up and that sort of thing but yeah just heating that one spot and trying to like deflect the the blow by of your heat gun away from the sheath kind of thing and then just like always testing it to see if it'll move it'll as soon as it gets warm enough to move then I take the heat off and press it and it's usually not even that hot that you can just use your bare hands and just kind of manipulate a little bit press it and then it'll cool quick enough and yeah hopefully hopefully it works out the cool thing about it is if it, you really mess it up you can always just flatten it out and repress it yeah exactly <laughs> it is actually a forgiving material when it comes to that so man i just no go ahead right i just started doing kydex i've done one yeah one sheet so far pretty proud it's a, a whole new animal to have to learn i mean same with doing leather sheets it's like oh here's a a whole different craft that you have to learn <laughs> in order to just add this one extra ingredient to your knife you know and in an industry that's already like i mean to make a knife you got to be a, a woodworker and a metallurgist and a you know yeah. <laughs> sometimes i got to be a welder and all kinds of stuff plus everything to do with making your own tooling and all this stuff it's it's big so yeah adding on sheets i can see why guys only do kitchen knives say or we'll make a, a hunting knife and send it to you and it's you know deal with the sheath yourself i can i can see the appeal in that too yeah i have a guy locally shout out to ryan clark designs he uh he does all my leather work he's really good nice it's yeah. it's nice to have someone local like that that's good yeah i used to have a local person here and he just got too busy you know with other leather things and um when i started kydex i realized i mean because his his leather was amazing quality but, you know, you get what you pay for. And switching over to Kydex, you still have a dependable carry option. But we don't have a ton of money into it. You know, when you buy the eyelets and the Kydex and all that stuff in bulk, you break it down cost per sheath, it's not very much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not bad, especially once you get all set up and you get your, your press and you get a really good routine down to how to, mm-hmm. how to do it and everything, and you're not spending tons of time on it either. It all comes down to that finishing, like the, that Comox custom. And I get those back. It's a folded sheath, like taco style. And the the edge, or in a, on a leather sheath, you call it the welt. But that that edge is so clean, you can't see a line. Like right. there's no seam down the middle of it. It's it's nice. beautiful. Yeah, that, that's so now how I, I got to something to shoot out. for. Yeah. <laughs> but I just buff mine. I take them up to 600, just hand sand. I mean, because there's not much there to it. You know, just yeah. a, a little piece of sandpaper on my finger up to 600 and then buff it and rub some woody wax on there. That woody wax stuff. I mean, it, that buff it, is a good idea. That must be what he does, too, because it's, it's so smooth. It's like glass. You got to get it pretty close, though, because if it's not, you know, if you still can see that line just a little bit, when you hit it on the buffer, them little strings from the buffer will stick oh, in there. Yeah. And you're right. not you're not going to pull them back out. You know what I mean? You can break them off at the surface level flush, but. 
that's a nightmare when you got to go backwards a step because you got little strings hanging out everywhere. Right, right. I had a, <laughs> a handle that I actually didn't. It was a full tang handle that I actually I didn't notice that there was just like the tiniest gap at the Ricasso, and uh, I went to buff the handle, and sure enough, I got a bunch of strings stuck down inside of there and it was a good indicator that there was space there but man they were stuck (laughs) yeah that sucks well man we appreciate you coming on here with us um you're up in canada what you're on west coast side yeah i'm right in the middle of british columbia i hate to admit it but you could tell me british columbia or any of the other ones i don't have a clue where they're at (laughs) it's northwest coast (laughs) we're on the yeah we're on the the left side okay the left yeah gotcha yeah, the left coast. Left, yeah, I'm about uh, about three four hours from the actual coast, um, so I'm inland a bit, and then I'm about halfway up the province, so it's like seven hours to the U.S. border from here. Okay, so I'm guessing you kind of share the same weather patterns as Pickle and Ryan with all the cold. Uh, we do, although he's on the other side of the country, but um, yeah, it definitely gets cold. <laughs> Well, do you do the there, snowboarding and the outdoor kind of stuff, you know, that comes along with wintertime up there? Oh, yeah. I, I grew up in Ontario, um, which is more central east uh, above New York there. And um, and I moved out originally to BC to go to Whistler to snowboard and mountain bike and all that all of that stuff. So, I yeah, it's all about all the outdoorsy stuff. And then once I got there, I picked up all the other expensive hobbies that you can do in the outdoors like <laughs> four four by four and, and exploring back roads and all that sort of stuff so I, yeah i and I, you can do all that stuff up here where i live now just with way less crowds that sounds nice crowds suck yep <laughs> yeah <For> sure <laughs> uh, ryan's not a fan of crowds at all are you buddy oh no not <laughs> at all man was, i can't do it we were at the race last weekend and i kind of looked around and i thought about you for a second because I couldn't have taken more than three or four steps in any direction without kind of saying, excuse me, or bumping somebody. I was like, man, Ryan would freak right here. I'd be out of there. Be like, honey, (laughs) I'll come pick you up when the race is over. I'm done. That's why uh, we're real comfortable being by ourselves for hours and hours in a shop. Yeah. 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 I don't mind the crowd. I love being by myself, but I don't really mind the crowd. I don't know if I'd be considered an introvert because it doesn't pain me to have conversations with people, you know what I mean, but being around large crowds or like where you're, you know, sandwiched into a place and I just can't do it. Yeah, no, I, that gives me anxiety. I get overstimulated. My wife says overstimulated. Yeah. I can't yeah. drive in big cities at night anymore because it's just like lights everywhere. I just can't, can't concentrate on the road in front of me. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, you have completed my ultimate goal which I think is is through the universe is how we ended up meeting up because I was like, this guy got a knife into Joe Rogan's hands. I'm going to make right. friends with this guy and figure <laughs> out how to get a knife in Joe Rogan's hands because I've always said that's my ultimate goal. Um, oh, really? Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to talk about that and how that happened? And you don't have yeah. to. No, no, that's fine. That's um. Yeah, he was. Joe's uh, big into hunting, and so he came up to British Columbia to go hunting with um. Uh, a guide, a big game guide that ended up becoming a friend of mine, uh, Mike Hawkridge. And Mike put him on this huge bull moose 
Joe put him put it down and they got the job done. And then uh, Joe came up with a, a guy who was writing an article for uh, Peterson's hunting magazine. So there's this amazing photo on the cover of it of Joe, who's he's like five, eight or something. And he's holding this enormous moose quarter over his shoulder that looks extra big on him. And uh, it's just a real badass photo. They took that on Mike's ranch. And so, um, so there was some back and forth between the two of them and, um, you know, some thank yous for, for the trip and whatnot. And, uh, so Joe ended up wanting to get Mike uh, a gift, you know, just to kind of remember the trip by or whatever. And he wanted to get him a knife and he was looking around and he ended up stumbling on me. Um, just knowing that I was from British Columbia, he just wanted somebody that was kind of local. Turns out we actually lived like half an hour apart which is just by fluke, but worked out perfect. He came over and we chatted and came up with this idea. And so I built the knife and he sent it to Joe and, um, and that sort of kicked off the, that, that was the first knife of mine anyways, that I got into his hands. And, and then after that, um, that's sort of, I, I guess he's, he followed me on Instagram, which was really cool of him. And then that, what that meant was I could kind of use that a little bit to my advantage. Cause then if I commented on his posts, my, my name would uh, be at the top of the, the comments right under the photo or whatever. Right. So I learned that. And so I would, it wasn't like constant every single post or whatever, but a bunch of them, I would try and comment at least something relevant or funny or whatever, but at least trying to get my name noticed a bunch. Um, and so that was kind of, that's kind of what I, I was trying to play at for a little while. And then um, a couple of people started to sort of notice and he would post a photo of his knife, which was super cool. And then, um, and that got the attention of uh, Justin Wren, who's um, fight for the forgotten and he's an MMA fighter and everything. He's been on Joe's show a bunch of times, an unbelievable human being, that guy. And the last time Justin went on the podcast uh, he wanted to take Joe a, a gift for all the support that Joe showed his foundation. And he hit me up, which was super cool. And um, I made a couple of knives for him to take and, and give to Joe as a thank you and everything. And that kind of blew things up really good. And um, he posted a photo about that. Justin actually gifted him the knives on the air, which was crazy. Um, so it was super cool to be mentioned um, on the show like that. And then, uh, and then posting photos like he would use it to cut up those elk steaks and stuff that he posts photos of sometimes. And my knife would be on the side there. And sometimes he would actually often he would actually tag me in the photo, which was cool. Um, I noticed in uh, he I mean, he's got knives from all kinds of guys that he uses and he posts photos of those, too. But um, yeah, just having him tag you in the photo is huge. And then, you know, you're your notifications go all blue for a couple of days. <laughs> it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I've, I've, I owe him, um, my business on literally, honestly, um, all of 2019, uh, Instagram really throttled my, uh, my content as, you know, promoting violence or whatever. I can look back, I have a comparison photo saved in my phone of a post, just like a really, innocuous like just normal post of like a, a couple pieces of handle material stuck together sitting on a shelf from 2018 like december 2018 and then from january or february 2019 i posted one of like what i think was one of the nicest knives that i've made still to date um really nice nicely framed and everything you know a really nice photo 
feeling. And then I've got the analytics of each post underneath. And it's just, it's night and day. Like the, the handle material one got a reach of like 4,000 and the knife photo from 2019, the reach was like 200 or something. Like it was just, it was really obvious that the things were not being pushed or, you know, as, as they used to be, Instagram used to be amazing. I mean, hashtags used to work and um, you could really manipulate the, the platform for your advantage for people like us who are using it as advertising. Right. And so all of 2019, I was like, okay, hey, is, is this the month that I'm going to go look for some work, some part-time construction work or something from a buddy to try and pay my bills? Cause at the time I was, I was full-time and, um, and I think I'd only been full-time for like a year or something. And I was just like, shit, was that a mistake? Like I quit my job with my good paycheck and everything. And, um, and yeah, everything was just downhill, downhill, downhill. And then December of 2019, I think that was the year that, Justin was on the show and gave him the knives in like October or something. And then in December he posted a photo or whatever and everything just went straight back up. And I've just been trying to ride that, um, keep that momentum going. But, uh, yeah, it could have easily just been, it could have been the end of things for me, which was a good lesson. Definitely don't put all your eggs in the, uh, social media basket. If you're producing weapons and <laughs> like weapons. we are, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's silly it's crazy what they do consider weapons and don't. I mean, I get advertisements all the time for those uh, magnets to go under the dash of your truck to hold your pistol. Oh, oh yeah. Have you guys seen those? I mean, it's mm-hmm. constant, like supported ad. Like the dude's holding a gun, a pistol. Not It's not a hunting rifle, you know, because if you wanted to be a bitch about it, you could break down a gun that's designed to protect against another person, a pistol, versus a hunting rifle that's designed to provide food, you know. A knife is a tool. I mean, even when the picture's got it laying on, you know, a pile of chopped onions or something. Yeah, you can buy one from Walmart. But you they will not take your money if you try to pay them, you know, to promote a post. Yeah. They'll shut it down. I've tried more times than I could count. Yeah, I've been through that argument all of 2019. I argued with them trying to, and mm-hmm. they keep saying like, hey, boost this photo for 10 bucks. And like, okay, I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> but you won't <laughs> let me. Yeah, I, I went through all of that, and my feed's full of knife ads for those really crappy knives with the finger hole in them, and it comes with a leather sheath, but they only show it cut in onions, so it's a kitchen knife, of course. Yeah. And it's got that, like, shiny black paint on it that's supposed to look like it was forged. Somebody actually did an awesome review of that on YouTube of one of those knives. They bought it for whatever it is, 40 bucks, and it, and it's a fantastic review. It's just an absolutely piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, my, my, my feed's full of ads like that for all those overseas knives. I guess we don't have enough corporate dollars to make the donations to Instagram. You Whatever know. it is. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Or what is it now? Meta. But right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> meta. <clears throat> That's so dumb. That's so, crazy. It, so apparently Joe is a good friend to have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if you see that in the comedy world too, I mean, that's absolutely true. Look at guys like uh, Brennan Schaub and um, Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. Like, yeah, they're, they're funny guys and they hold their own now, but nobody would know who they were if they weren't friends with Joe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I wouldn't presume to call myself a friend or anything, but um, it's really cool that he, I mean, he came from where he came from. Like he 
grew up lower middle class. Um, he, he talks all the time, but remembering his parents using food stamps and stuff like that. Um, and so he came from that world where, uh, you know, he really appreciates the value of a dollar still. Um, he appreciates the people that helped him along the way. And so he definitely wants to, to, you know, uh, pay that forward. And he's, I mean, he, he, he knows the power of his platform. He's a smart dude. And, he's uh and he calculated too like the the little bit of back and forth that i've had with him um you can tell like he's he yeah uh, he thinks about all these things like it's not frivolous he doesn't just throw posts around or anything like that like he's um he's really got a bead on his image and uh and, you know he just down to the people that he brings on i've heard people talk about the um the people he has on his podcast that are like, Hey, why don't you have this guy on? And he's like, yeah, not yet. It's not the right time. You know, maybe, maybe next year or something like he's got that kind of big picture mindset and just, yeah, just loves helping out people that he thinks uh, deserve it, which is unbelievable. There's, there's another guy, a high profile uh, individual who I won't, I'm not going to drop his name, but um, I, I don't reach out too often to try and like, send knives to people and you know like hoping that they're gonna post a photo or whatever but um on occasion i will and and this guy happens to be um he's actually is a friend of a friend and so (laughs) i guess that's how i try and justify it but um i sent this guy a knife he was super pumped to get it and everything and like big big name and which oh, was, come on, was Mike. cool. Say it, say it, no, say I, it. I, I, sorry, because <laughs> it's it's not a good story. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm even building it up like that. It was, oh, it's, we need the name. It's dumb, but um, the 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 oh, the point to that is just that like it would have been awesome if he had like shared it or whatever, and never. Oh, I sent him a photo of this knife and I was like, Hey, what do you think of this thing? He's like, that thing looks fucking sick. And I said, yeah. So I sent it to such and such. And, uh, like six months ago, he never posted a photo of it. And his reply was, um, he grew up rich. You know how it is, which was just <laughs> like, he wrapped that whole situation up. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was he, his- with some economy of, of words and yeah, it was just like, ah, he, I mean, he gets it and he made me get it right away. And, um, no, no, Joe's been, Joe's been uh, outstanding. He's, for, he's just on another listen. level, you know? And like, it's no secret that I'm a big fanboy. I have his fucking face tattooed on my shin bone. Oh yeah, you know? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Did he at least post that? Did he share that photo? No, no, he no. has no idea I exist, but oh, I'm you, trying. You, did you tag him in it or anything? I, I did tag those. him. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, slip by. Yeah, sure. His oh. notifications fucking fly by on his phone. Oh my god, I couldn't even imagine what his notifications look like when he turns his phone on. But I'll be right back, boys. I gotta take. All right. Well, Ryan's got to take something. Uh, he muted himself before he quit talking. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, Mike, um, I was just getting ready to ask you something, but Ryan interrupted me. Um, and now well, I fuck can't... him. Then he's gone. There we go. We can talk shit about him. So when you went, uh, you got your your knife into Joe Rogan's hands, where were you at kind of like follower? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you don't remember an exact number, but was there like a huge jump yeah. when you were finally able to do that? Yeah. 
Yeah, the first one, I remember the night. <laughs> it was a big night. I was sitting on the couch in our old house with my uh, my wife. And um, I pick up my phone. I look, and it's like 40 followers. That's uh, that's higher than normal. That's pretty <laughs> cool. the last time I looked at my <laughs> phone. Like, it's only been an hour or something. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. And then so I scrolled down through all of them, like trying to find like a notification or, you know, some reason. And then I scroll back up and I scroll too far and it reloaded and it was like 60 new followers. I'm like, what the fuck was that? So I reload again and like something's like broken here. I reload again and it's like 23 new followers like seconds later. And I was like, okay, hey, something's up. And so then, you know, I, I started looking around and I realized like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. He had posted a photo and um, of that first knife that he got. And so I turned to my wife and I was like, check this out. And I, I reloaded it and it's like pops up like, you know, 30 new followers. And I go, okay, watch reload it. And it's like 43 new followers. Like it was, that's pretty cool. And I think literally overnight, I think I picked up like 10,000 followers. Like it was ridiculous. Wow. It's good thing that Ryan didn't hear any of this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He's he's uh, back. We got to stop talking about him. Oh yes. Oh, hey, (laughs) Hey, you look good. I'll I'll get the Easter egg later. Did, did you have to poop? You you kind of took off pretty quick. That was a funny walk you left with. Yeah, I did have to poop. Okay, just checking. I had I had to pee out the backside. <laughs> if we're gonna get gross with it, might as well go all the way. Yeah, pee butt is a real thing. So, uh, Mike, let me ask you a question. This is something that me and Ryan kind of talked about a little bit last night, and it pissed me off. See how you feel about it. So, your name is Mike Jones, right? Yes, sir. Uh, pretty obvious. Uh, there's another Mike Jones out there. You've already mentioned a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So if there was another Mike Jones out there and they decided to start making knives and they named themselves Mike Jones Knife and Tool Works. They just added one little word on there or something. And their touch mark matched yours almost identically. And their style was almost identical. How would you feel about that? Uh, I'd be real curious. <laughs> <laughs> So I was scrolling last night, and turns out I'm not even going to say the full name because the it doesn't deserve a shout out. I don't want nobody looking it up. But there's a JK Blades and out there, and I clicked on it. The touch mark on the blade is almost identical, and I don't know if you're familiar enough with my brand. I say that like I'm Nike or something, sounding cool. But you know, <laughs> my touch mark it, it's pretty much a J and a K all molded into one little thing. It's right. not just like you know two letters. And the the bastard stole it from me. <laughs> did he? Did he like? Do you think he straight up like saw your thing and and copied, or do you think? Because I mean, it's kind of a case by case basis, right? If it was me, there's lots of Mike Joneses out there, um, and my touch mark is kind of unique. Like it'd be a, a real coincidence if someone came up with that little smiley face mm-hmm. um, at all, especially if they had the exact same first and last name. With yours, it's your initials and it got, you know, squished together. And so I could definitely see someone coming up with, you know, they have, they, they have that concept in comedy actually called parallel thinking where, you know, a joke sounds a lot like another joke, but they are just two comedic minds thinking about the same concept and, um, it can legitimately end up, you can end up having a copycat that wasn't meant to be. So not saying that one way or the other with this case, but, um, yeah, I mean, if it was me, I would definitely hit the person up and be like, hey, just I've seen this situation actually come up before. Um, 
actually uh, in a, a bigger case, you guys, are you familiar with boot hill blades? Oh yeah. Jared. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he used to be uh queen, was it queen city. Yeah. Queen, yeah city, queen city knives. Queen, queen city knives. Yeah. And he actually was contacted by some like a large brand from somewhere, Australia or Europe or something like that. Who's been queen city knives for since before him. And, uh, he was actually contacted by their lawyer, which, um, he was just like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> he was, he was worried. Like he's like, am I getting sued? Do I have to pay these people money? Kind of thing. Turns out they were actually super cool with them. Um, cause he was right away like, yeah, no, I'll change my name. Don't worry about it. Like that yeah, sort of thing. Definitely. I told him, I told him he should, uh, he should change his name to King city knives and his slogan <laughs> should be the, the queen is dead. Long live the king. But, um, I thought that would have been way better, but, uh, they, they actually like, uh, helped him out with their, uh, they, they gave him like their marketing guy came up with new branding for him and everything. Like they, they super hooked him up, which was really cool. Um, so shout out to queen city knives for not just completely destroying some little guy. But, um, yeah, so I, I've, I've seen that actually come up before, which is interesting in an, in an industry, this little industry of ours. But, um, I did, I, I sent him a polite message. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not I even saying that nicely. sarcastic. It was, it was very polite. Like, Hey dude, you know, I see you're, you're pretty new on here. I don't know if you've run across my stuff or not, but it's, you know, they're very similar and you know, it, it could have been like JK knives or something, but to just straight up copy, I was, I didn't know whether to be really pissed or kind of flattered, but, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line yeah. there. <laughs> Turns out I wasn't very flattered once I thought it through. Did yeah, he get you're back to you? Heated. No, he didn't even, he's read it, but he didn't reply. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, that's, you got to get a feel for who you're dealing with at that point too. Like, like with Jared's case, like he was instantly super nice. Like, so like, sorry, I had no idea that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so they, they had some resources and hooked him up cause it was all friendly. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if someone's going to go and if it was me and someone like, like straight up tried to steal it and just ghosted me for it like didn't reply or anything like that and just kept doing it then luckily i've got a, a, a decent enough following that i you know you can just post something be like hey check this guy out uh, here's the situation and you know i wouldn't hurt my feelings if you guys went and let him know how you feel about it and then i have such a fucking funny following of people like they just would absolutely blast the dude and just fill every one of his photos with a thousand comments just calling him out and make him they just make his online presence a hard time um which has been there's been a couple times that that's come up and i've posted something and just the the stream of comments that come underneath it's absolutely hilarious it's kind of fun to do i almost get excited when like i get a hater or something like that and i'm like oh sweet i hope this gets to the point where i don't feel bad about sharing it with everybody yeah <laughs> Well, as my kids would say, he left me on red, and that's a really big deal nowadays. Oh wow! Yeah, left you on red. Yeah, they told me that one time. Like, what the hell's red? Like, what do you mean? And yeah, they it had took to, me a second to figure it out. With Eric. Yeah, yeah, he left <laughs> me on red. That means he read my stuff and didn't reply. And like that, that's a big deal. That's how you really diss somebody nowadays. Apparently, yeah, you're being ignored. That's infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> And there's like digital proof of it nowadays. You can't say, "Oh, well, I didn't see your message," because yeah, you did. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Clever kids, eh? You yeah. would think he he had to do some research to come up with his name. I did at least. the The name I originally wanted was RC Knives because my name's Ryan Coakley. Makes mm-hmm. sense. 
RC Knives already exists. He's a cool guy. I've I've had talks with him at through you know you Google RC Knives to see if there's anybody with that name. Yep, somebody had that name. Shit. So then I was like, Coakley Knife Works. There's already a Coakley Knife Works. Oh no right. way. Yeah. So then uh, I did my ancestry. What are you fucking with over there? Who me? Yeah, you. Why, why it's you all gonna... coming through on the mic. <laughs> oh, bad. No, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, that's my beard rubbing on it. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to move this wire so I could pull it up and get some slack. Sorry, guys. Anyways. That was my beard rubbing on it. Sounds Anyways. Like reading a memoir or something. So that was when I went and did my ancestry to figure out which half of my family the craftsman comes from, you know. So that's how Chadbourne came to be. And then I couldn't find a single Chadbourne knife maker. So I was like, okay, I'm safe there. Um, I was wondering where that name came from. Yeah, it's my middle name. Uh, okay. Yeah. When I started mine, I Googled JK Blades. And there's, I think, three other brands of JK Blades. But one is a wiper blade, you know, windshield wipers for a car. <laughs> blades, <laughs> right. Yeah, and one actually makes uh, the blades that go on ice skating skates. You know, uh, okay. The, the, mm. Those kind. So I'm like, okay, there's no knives. I'm, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? As long as you stay in your lane. Right. Because even the JK Blades, that was like a division of something bigger. It, that wasn't like their main name. But um, we went to Blade Show last year. And there was a JK, I forgot what it was, JK Concepts or something. But I walked in and just saw that big poster behind the booth. I was like, what the hell? Because, I mean, it wasn't even close to my my style that mine's written in or anything. But just to see that, it was kind of cool. Yeah, initials are a tricky one because definitely could be a lot more JKs out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could be like John Colmer or Jerry K something. I don't know. <laughs> I'll show you this. I got some some hoodies made up. Sweet. Swag. Nice. Yep. Just two. One for me, one for the wife. That's how I start all my stuff when I get new hats or T-shirts or whatever. Me, me and her get the first two, and then we'll start selling them. Uh, apparel is a – that's a pain in the ass. I, I did a run of hoodies, and I've had t- – I mean, you got to do size runs of stuff. I've got probably two thousand dollars worth of T-shirts sitting in my office, just just sitting, selling, just chilling. Yeah, it's apparel's a pain. Yeah, Jason and Pickle both did a run of T-shirts, right? And from yeah. talking to the both of you, it did not sound like a fun time. No, it sucks every time. But yeah, when I sell T-shirts, I make maybe two or three dollars off each shirt. When I do it, it's, it's like to try to help get my brand out there. You know what I mean? Try to make someone in a different part of the country wear it. Just so yeah. someone in that town will say, hey, J.K. Blades, what's that? You know, any little yeah, thing you, can help. It's definitely not a money push when you start selling merch. No, you got to look at look at it more as like an advertising expense. Right. Even just to, yeah, just like you say, get your name out there a little bit. Because, yeah, no one's making, no one in the knife industry anyway is making millions on it. No t-shirts i'm very lucky though because the guy that does my t-shirts will make one at a time so i can have one made for myself put it on and take a picture and then you know when someone orders one says hey i need a large i text him and say hey, dude need a large oh and, wow and it's ready you know most of the time within an hour or so he's like shirt's ready oh, that's amazing <laughs> yeah <it's>, uh, <laughs> that is a very low minimum order oh yeah one can't beat it <laughs> and i wear i mean every day i'm wearing a jk blades hat you know it's just a richardson snapback hat 
But when yeah. they get dirty, I just text them like, dude, need a new hat. Make me a a gray one this time, black one, whatever. And they get dirty, I throw them away and go get another one. Nice. Because I can do wash one right? at a time. <laughs> dude, when they get this nasty, they ain't coming back. Like You wreck your washing machine. Yeah, those are gross. But every now and then, my wife will clean some up for me because I've got more hats than I can count. But she puts them in a bathtub and does this thing called stripping. You guys heard of that? I have, nope. but go go on. Well, not that kind of stripping. That did not <laughs> uh, even cross my mind. But uh, your wife in the bathtub—I don't know. Well, I mean, hey, it could happen. But now she she puts uh, clothes or shoes, hats, whatever, in the bathtub, and it's this mixture of laundry soap, um, borax, just the same you know borax that we use for flux, and two or three other little things that she puts in there. And I'm telling you, within probably 15 minutes, the water is jet black, like there's a tire in it. I mean, and it brings back whatever clothes is in there, like they're brand spanking new. Nice. Gross. But, yeah, you really got to <laughs> clean the freaking bathtub afterwards. So we don't do that too often. I just go get another hat. I'm a mechanic for my day job. My clothes get fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I like grease and oil and grass and dirt. Yeah, we go through washing machines pretty quickly. Um, our dryer's holding strong. Uh, going on four years now, it's pretty good for us. The one before that, we burned out in like a year and a half. Holy Nasty. shit. We've had yeah, our wore a hole and dryer for like six years. Wore a hole right through the back of the housing on the dryer. Jeez. Yeah, like the track broke and we just kept running it. So it's like... <laughs> every time it went around, it would rub on it. And it eventually wore a hole through it, so... We got a new, got a new one. That doesn't surprise me. So, what do you guys want to talk about? You want to touch, touch on some sketchy shit or some, you know, political stuff? You want to go all right winger? Wow. How sketchy? Oh, I don't know. I mean, hell, whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I know we got a good review on our last political episode, but man, I really don't know if I want to go down that route. Well, I'm going to bring something up because it drives me fucking bonkers. Okay. All right. Mike, you got kids? Yeah, I got one. Boy or girl? Boy, he's five. Okay. All right. So we can all agree that a grown man and a grown woman, if they're paired up together, the man is stronger. Is that correct? Genetically, that's how it works. Unless it's like a MMA trained fight or something like that. Regular, everyday, average Joe people, men are physically superior genetically. I see where you're going with this, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a careful usage of words there, but right. yeah, I, see, I see the point you're making. Okay, so there's this Adidas commercial. You know, the Adidas shoes, clothes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all day I dream about sex, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So um, yeah. their new ad campaign is all about the, you know, the world's changing and all this, and they're empowering people, you know, they're empowering black people to do more things. Awesome, cool, go for it empower white people to do things awesome cool empowering transgendered men to compete in women's athletic events yeah this is a very hot topic current event right now they're (laughs) promoting men to go beat up girls oh and like physical contact conflict well they're saying you know to challenge them for transgendered men to compete against women that's their exact ad so uh, yeah. if a dude puts a dress on, it's supposed to be okay for him to go out and 
you know, play soccer with the girls or softball or basketball or whatever. Yeah, or destroy them at a swimming competition. Yeah, it, they can swim too. I've, I've heard about that. But I just don't seem that – I don't find that fair at all in any kind of way, shape, or form. You know, well, that's that's the big thing that's going on with that. What's your name, Leah? It's um, yeah. some – that yeah, that's a swimmer. That the just, Aquaman. Like, <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know if you guys follow Donald Trump Jr., but he's just had some – just absolutely hilarious memes lately about that whole situation. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. It's, it's, it's just obvious. Like you, you look at all these, there was a weightlifter too that was, uh, went to the Olympics and, uh, I think faulted or something like was disqualified for not lifting properly or something. There was some controversy about whether or not she did it on purpose. Cause there was a lot of heat on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to win. Like it's just look at the numbers, look at the history, look at like, I mean, it's why men tee off from the blue tees and women tee <laughs> off from the reds. Like there's a yeah. reason that all these things, like there's, there's a reason that, you know, w- women don't play in the NBA. They have their own league. Cause I mean, it's not sexist or anything. It's just it's yeah, biology. I'm, I'm it's you. all about yeah, keeping exactly. them fair. Right. I mean, that's why there's the WNBA. So there's two it's hard, though, fair like, playing as a, fields. I mean, as a parent, I, I've heard the argument, and I can understand it from the perspective of the parent being like, "This is what, this is, um, this is how my daughter or my, you know, whatever my son feels um, more comfortable as a as a little girl." You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about younger younger kids at this point, but um, and I want my kid to be able to compete in these sports so don't disqualify my kid you know let them let them um, participate with all their friends in these sports or whatever um so you you know you could see it being harmful to your kid being like no you can't you can't play because of who you are you i mean that's that's a tough one to to put on a kid right um but at the same time you look at the parents of all the other kids being like hey how come how come your your kids running way way faster than you know all of our kids and they're supposed to be it's supposed to be a fair playing field here or whatever you know whatever the sport is you're i mean well, you wouldn't put your kid in high school who suddenly wants to be a girl on the wrestling team and now she, he or she is wrestling with on the girls team sort of thing it's like like you're saying it's not fair but i can see from the from the parent's perspective of the other side, just like they just want their kid to be normal too. But when it comes to sports, man, I mean, that's, that's they're going to have to find like a happy medium with it, you know, like maybe <clears throat> allow them to practice and train with them, but not compete. Maybe. Yeah. What do like you that. do? Right. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, when I was enough of them that you can make a trans league, uh, league or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. There comes a time, though, when a kid's just going to have to learn a lesson. You know, they're going to have to get told no. If a little boy wants to go play on the softball field with the girls, no, son, I'm sorry. You know, that's not the way the world works. The girls are over there playing softball. Let's go play baseball. You know what I mean? It's just the the line's got to be drawn. A lesson's got to be taught. You can't just sugarcoat the kids so that they believe. No, that's true. The boys are told. Yeah, the boys are told they can't play with with the girls. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah, them, 
but like when I was in eighth grade, so I wrestled and the middle school wrestling program got disbanded or whatever. They took it away mid season and I wanted to keep wrestling. So they let me train with the high school team, but I wasn't allowed to compete because I wasn't mm-hmm. in high school yet. And there was like, I never for a second in my mind was I like, like, that's not fair. Of course it's fair. These guys are, I'm like mid puberty. They're post puberty, <laughs> six foot five, you know, just yeah. jacked. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have been fair. They would have demolished me, you know. I used to play baseball as a kid, and as you get older, there's less and less kids playing, and we got to the point where there wasn't enough in our town to make a league, a full league at the age group I was at. So my age group got lumped in with the age group above mine, and so I was like, I think I was like 13, and these kids who were driving themselves to the game were pitching. And, I mean, (laughs) we're talking like fastball, like overhand, right? And I'm just like, how the hell is this fair? (laughs) You know, so it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. Well, life's not always fair. It's true. Like we're probably not going to solve it here, sitting in our shops. <laughs> yeah, probably, no, not. Prob- probably not. Well, I've yeah. actually got some big plans on getting into my shop this afternoon when I leave here. So that's going to be a nice change of pace. I've got at least probably a good three hours I'll be able to spend down there this afternoon. So, what do you got going on? Well, I'm working on a a new concept of a blade. It's a blade that I've done uh, as a kitchen knife. But it's getting switched over, and now it's going to be transformed into an EDC. So mm-hmm. instead of a full flat grind, it's going to get hollow grinds, you know, starting off with a lot thicker stock, have file work in the spine, and I'm making my own segment and handles. That's another thing that nice. I've never done before. And mm-hmm. I cut some stuff up, you know, to practice, and it went surprisingly smooth. You know, I just put my... uh I guess it's called a bevel guide, miter guide, whatever, on the bandsaw, you know, on the table. The little thing that twists to where you get a 45 or whatever. You guys have no clue yeah. what I'm talking about, right? No, no, I got you. Okay, no, we got you. Oh, I guess you're both frozen. But anyway, I put that on the on the bandsaw and was able to get a nice, I think I came up with like 30 degrees is what I cut it at. 45 was just too much, look goofy. But anyway, I, you know, cut it and got it all mocked up. With some scrap stuff, because, you know, I'm using Rob's Wildwood scales for the actual blade. If I cut those wrong, there's no oopsie redo. You know what I mean? They're just going to keep right. getting smaller, and this is a big-ass blade. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's it's going to be something a whole lot different than what I'm used to. Are you doing um, full tang? Yeah, full tang. So definitely drill out the pinholes before you cut it in half into scales would be my first tip on that. I, I don't know um, how much you how far you got on your test piece or how far you thought the process through, but that was, I've done lots of those where you're mixing some, some uh, materials together and stuff. And um, I don't know how, honestly, you see these guys selling these scales that are already built like that with segmented and middle mm-hmm. inlays and stuff, but they're already split in half and there's a set of scales. So trying to get those to line up perfectly across the spine is, I don't know how people do that. And that's, that's huge, right? Having that detail, oh, yeah, yeah. those, that, yeah, those transitions line up perfect across the spine, top and bottom. Um, so the, yeah, the way that I came up with to do that is I'll make the block as square as possible. And then um, with a drill press, I'll use my blade as the template like normal and drill through and then, then cut it in half. And then usually it ends up working out pretty good. 
straight in half on your bandsaw, pretty 90. And then when you clean those up on your disc sander or whatever you got to flatten those, that cut off a little bit, I'm a, I've always got a pair of pins that are kind of like tapers. So they're like my dry fit pins. Mm-hmm. So I took a piece of pin stock, put it in a drill and just kind of like ground a, like a minor, minor taper on it. So then I can dry fit with those. So as I'm flattening those scales, I'll always be like fitting them back together with those pins, making sure that they come together flat, straight, no mm-hmm. gaps, and the pins will go nice and straight through them. So there's no change in angle there on my pinholes or whatever as you're playing with that inside face. Um, and then theoretically, that should all line up properly. <laughs> so, so what I'm doing is I'm starting with a set of scales. So it's not a block. They're already scales. Okay. So once I cut it, you know, at the 30 degrees, then I've got, you know, the same set of scales, that gap will open up and I'll put another material in there, you know, with a a liner between and everything will, is actually going to go on a liner to give me my flat inside surface. Yeah. So once everything is glued up that way, then I can just grind off the excess liner to make the scales, you know, flush, perfect, you know, on the sides. And then when I book match them back together, you know, I can line them up perfectly there and then tape them up, right. you know, to, to put the pinholes in. But I see what you're okay. saying as far as pinholes. First thing that came to my mind was I need to get the scales made before I put the pinholes in the blade. That way I can lay it out because I don't want to have a pinhole fall, you know, right on a a spacer, joint. you know, yeah, some, a joint of some sorts. Yeah, yeah, that's – as you're building the block, that's usually how I kind of have my blade there and I'm lined up. I always have my blade drilled out first just because that's the way I do it. But, um, yeah, you, that's, that's important. You don't want, you don't want that pinhole landing right in your material. That's, that's, yeah, it gets fun. Oh, I'll definitely have the pinholes drilled first. Cause I'll, I'll heat treat it, you know, and have it just about done before I actually cut into the scales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like I've, you can even to give yourself a little bit of room. You can like kind of slightly oversize your pinholes a little bit. You're going to end up with like an epoxy line around them. Yeah, but I've had times when I've had times when I've like when I go to glue it all up, and if something's like it doesn't take much. Like even if when you're flattening that your scale, if it's slightly off, then the pressure that that pin puts on it, trying to go through the hole in the wrong angle. I've actually split like material apart, like the oh, yeah. at, at the joint at the line or whatever, because it's trying to pull on it and too tight. I, yeah, I've messed up all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of hand material doing stuff like that. But good luck with it; should be fun. Oh yeah, and I think you know having a a liner on the inside. Even when I do liners, you know, without segments, I always glue my liner to the block. You know what I mean? And then I when seen, I'm shaping everything, yeah. it's it's almost like it's still just two separate scales. It just has a liner on it now. So with that G10 liner, that gives you a perfect surface on the inside. And I just scuffed that up with like a 60 grit, you know, just, just to take the shiny off. That way the epoxy will grab. Yeah. I don't know why they make G10 shiny, by the way. Yeah, That's it's, such a pain so in the dumb. ass. Yeah, we got yeah, to uh, undo that. <laughs> I've always done – anytime I've done liners, I've always uh, – I've always done it like sandwich style. Like when I do a glue up, I have a, all the pieces separate and then I, I'll, I'll glue it all up with the blade all at once. Um, I know most guys will glue the liner on first and everything, but well, that's what I do. I've so just that I can polish the bolster area, you know, whatever's going to be against the Ricasso, all that'll be polished and finished. I don't have to go back in there at all after glue up. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll dry fit them all together first. 
So I'll have the two liners and then the scales on either side with the, those dry fit pins pushed mm-hmm. through. So there's, so they're tight. And then I'll do the Ricasso. I'll do the front of the scales and finish it all first too. So that's still, it's still finished and the fronts line up perfect and everything. And then I take it all apart and glue it all. I mean, I probably, I just, I'm probably too lazy to glue it the night before and then have to wait to glue it all up the next day. <laughs> it's probably the way, probably why I do it that way. I do it the same way you do. The only time I glue my spacers ahead of time is on a hidden tang. So, like, if I'm doing a wah style and I put that, G, like on your knife, there's a G10 spacer in there. I'll glue that G10 spacer up before I make the handle so it's easier to drill a hole through. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're making a block and the spacer's going perpendicular to the to the spine of the knife, then I think that's a that's how I do it, too. I would make the, the full block up first and then treat it as one solid piece of material. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Works pretty good. <laughs> Yep. yep. Uh huh. Well, we've been going right at an hour, guys. How you feel? You want to keep trucking? You want to call it a day? I don't care. Yeah, I'm good with whatever. All right. No well, worries. I'm going to let you two chat for just a second. I got to poop. Just kidding. I'll I'm pooping right a bottle this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's gone. We can talk shit about him. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys both said the same thing. <laughs> we did that to Pickle one day. Good. He deserves it. <laughs> the token Tobin. Yeah. Yeah. So you, how's everything going? Things are going good. I like that. S- that five set of chef knives you did with the blue uh, resin cast handles. Those yeah, nice. those, those turned out so good. I was so pumped when I got got those like a lot of guys when you ask them to do like a you show them like a really cool burl just like those where it's got tons of void in it and then you know the the texture all works together so well and you you send it to some guy one of those resin casting handle guys and say hey can you make something like this and they're like yeah no problem i've got back some like where it's just like three quarters wood and then the front it's almost like a built-in bolster you know the front's just got a little bit of resin in the front of it and you're just like that's not at all what <laughs> i was asking yeah. for you know but it's got to be tough for those guys to find those burls with all that void in it that they can fill i have that a, one that cherry burl i sent you i have a box full of cutoffs that would be perfect for casting yeah i noticed that yeah. some of that was a little bit it was a little bit holy it'd be great for that yeah, yeah, there's a lot of wormholes in it and stuff. It was originally going to be two giant bowl blanks, but there was too many voids in it. So I ended up with it, which is yeah, fun me. Send all those offcuts to one of those guys and get them to... If you got enough, maybe you can just do a trade, let them keep some of it. Mm. Yeah, I probably got 15, 20 pounds of it. It's a, it's like a milk crate full to the top. Nice. Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, man, those guys, uh, I use in the States, I use, uh, J Hugh customs a lot, Tim Kipps. Oh yeah. He, he's excellent with all that stuff. And, um, right now he's working on a bunch of just bananas handles that he's taken to, um, to blade show. And, uh, yeah, he, he does great work if you're down in the States. And then my favorite guy up in Canada is that John Bryant. He's, uh, the Muskoka yeah. term. He's, he's the one who did that, that burl for me with those blue on the on those chef knives john's he's, awesome yeah he's he's done great work too yeah i've heard of him a few times i haven't had the chance to try out any of his stuff yet mike when you order his uh scales do they come to you in the cookie boxes cookie boxes i don't think so 
He's always uh, sent, he, sent yeah. them to me in cookie boxes. They're like little pink boxes uh. that cookies used to be in. <laughs> nice is there ever any cookies left in there no i've already told him too man like hey at least leave a crumb let me smell the cookie teasing me with the picture <laughs> yeah there he has awesome work too and his turnaround is really quick um which is nice too well it takes quite a while to get to me down here in south georgia but his work is amazing tim kipps though you were talking about him a second ago i bought some of his stuff at blade show last year and used yeah. it up and liked it and I had a big order come up. It was a 10-piece set, and I needed 10 blocks, you know, matching. And I called right. him up, and I was like, hey, man, uh, is there any way that you could? Because he had one set. They got a Facebook group, you know, where he kind of dropped stuff there. And he had one set. I was like, is there any way you might have a little bit more of that laying around? You know, that, I kind of need a bunch of that for an order. He said, how many? I told him 10. Or actually, I told him, uh, I said, I need 12 of them. He said, oh, my God. Let me look and see. And he called me back a couple of days later, and he had 11. So, <laughs> okay, well, I'll take those 11. I always order extra when I'm doing something like that in case I screw one up. You know, it could happen. Yeah, I got an extra one of that that burrow with the blue in it, too. Yes, yeah. I broke one. Yeah, but I got lucky on that because the, his scales are so big. When I did got to the steak knives, I was able to get two sets of handles out of one block. So and, I, uh, From from J.Hugh Customs? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, when I was getting cones from um, John Bryant, he would, a lot of those guys will, will cut them into four, basically. And then they'll sell the inside with the core and then the outsides. Um, I don't know if they actually sell them or toss them or whatever they do, but he was sending me the full thing cut in half. And so it was like super thick. And I'm, I was able to skim a little bit off the outside and use it too. It's nice when you can you can minimize your waste like absolutely. that absolutely yeah collecting bolster chunks and oh i just had to i've off. been starting fires with some of my i just got i end up with just boxes and boxes of pieces i'm just like i'm not actually going to use this i've been sending some of it away to other years. guys yeah you can only store so much of that stuff yeah i had a bunch of block blocks that i failed stabilizing and i was mm-hmm. keep i was hanging on to them for Geez, I don't know why, you know, just like, oh, maybe I'll use it someday, but I'm not because I know it's a failure. And I, I burned them all the other day. And boy, don't them fuckers burn hot. <laughs> Holy, that cactus juice, whatever's in that burns good in a wood stove. Yeah, I don't know what else you could ever use that for anyway. I mean, you couldn't restabilize it or anything like that. So unfortunately, yeah. it's cost of doing business sometimes. Yeah, that was a $100 uh, flat rate box of waste. That went into uh, the stove, probably. Oh, that cactus juice ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a pain in the ass. It's expensive to ship it. Yeah, I've started buying my stabilized materials. Yeah, it's it's nice. To, it's it's great to be able to do your own, especially if you just got like the material around and you need something tomorrow and you can just do it. But um, yeah, the, the professional stuff, especially the stuff that comes from K and N. I mean, their their proprietary resin is it's. Uh, Expensive for a reason. You talking about K and G? Sorry, K and G. Yeah, you said K and N. It made me think of an air filter on a Mustang. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Too many initials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, All Rob stuff is uh, K and G stabilized. But I used to have big plans. You know, I was going to get my vacuum pump and my chambers and all this kind of stuff to where I could do it. But it's another one of those things. Like 
say we pay 45, 50 bucks for a set of scales. That's about an average price, you know, for some really good stuff, some maybe higher end stuff, but you can get a good set of scales for 35 bucks. Yeah. And, um, might be 35 to 45 to 50 whatever the cost may be even if it's 100 all you got to do is put that cost in your blade you know the the customer's still paying for the material so i i've become a fan of just buying the good stuff and letting the customer pay for it cuz they're going to pay for oh, it yeah. whether you did it or whether someone else did it yeah i run into that with like those resin castings too like i've i always wanted to get into doing that myself and i you know, I, I think I bought some kind of or the eco epoxy or whatever is supposed to be good for it. And, uh, it's still on the shelf. Like I never even got around to it cause it's just another one of those things that you just don't have time for and might as well just let those guys do it. And they do a great job, support them. It's a whole other play. hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of those things. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's kind of crossing got- the line on is it a hobby or is it part of a job? You know what I mean? You got to enjoy it for it to be your hobby. But if it's just a, a bullshit step that you don't feel like doing so that you can do your hobby, it's, I think, a lot better off to just buy it. Yeah. I yeah, that's a good point. I do it, and I still buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but, cool. Yeah, no, that's a that's making sure that you're still enjoying it. And if there's parts of it you don't enjoy that you can let someone else do, then, yeah, it keeps your enjoyment up. Yeah. Got to keep all that in perspective. I really enjoyed that yellow cedar burl I got from you. And like mm. I'm all I've got just enough to do two bolsters. I'm on a six piece set I'm doing, and then I'm out of it. And I'm like oh, Jonesing for more. Uh, yeah, pun, in, pun intended. Mike Jonesing. There's, there's a couple of people who've been bugging me for that stuff. I made the mistake of passing too much fit around <laughs> once more. Yeah, I got a really uh, beautiful. It's yeah, so nice. Unfortunately, there's I mean maybe half of the stack of raw material I've got will actually turn out really nice like that. Like get that fiery kind of a grain to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff I've got's like straight off of a mill. Like it's, it's rough, rough sawn, like chainsaw mill style. So it's like, uh, I got to really flatten it out and see exactly what I'm working with and then process it all up, cut it all into blocks. So get it in the stabilizer for a while. And once I do, I'll let you know, cause I'm getting low on it myself. So I'll have to get more of that happening. It grows here. We get yellow and red cedar, and yep. uh, birch is big in Maine. There's tons mm-hmm. of birch trees around, and yellow birch burl is beautiful. So, I'm, Yes, uh, yeah, the burl I've, coming off of birch is awesome. Yeah, I've got some loggers out looking for me when they're on jobs. Nice. Yeah, we got down in Vancouver Island, we get most of the, the cedar, and that's where these guys get theirs from that mill it up, and once in a while they hit me up and say, hey, we got a stack of some some burl that was on some tree we cut up for you sweet nice, nice. everybody's got a guy yeah gotta have a guy for that no you got to if you want to have any kind of success in an industry like this yeah my neighbor's got 90 acres behind me and he's like you find any burls back there just cut it down i'm like okay oh yeah sure. nice you ever go out looking for chaga not yet i i my brother looks for chaga and I know a couple people that do it, but I was always growing up taught you don't eat wild mushrooms. What's chaga? Yep. Chaga is, they call it chicken of the woods. Oh, okay, okay. And it's that orangish yellow fungus that grows on the side of dead trees. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're It's a, de- a delicacy. Oh, no, this is, here. I'm talking about the, like, the black burnt looking 
um, thing that grows on birch trees. Oh, what am I talking about then? Let me I don't know something this. else. Some weird mushroom that you get high on. Now the chaga is like um, it's huge medicinal fungus, basically that grows on the side of only birch trees, and it's like okay. one in every ten ten thousand trees or whatever. It looks like it's a burnt, burnt like it's black and mm-hmm. looks kind of like charcoal. And you chop pieces of that off and boil it into a tea or. I don't know, crush it up and snort it or whatever, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be super beneficial. And, um, I heard it's best to harvest when it's like super cold out. Cause then it draws all the goodness out of the tree and into itself. And birch trees are amazing. They've got all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, purposes, everything about them's awesome. They used to use, uh, the sap, um, they would make like tar out of it and, uh, use it to like preserve, Oh, I'm going to mess this up. He used to use it to like preserve leather or something like that. I can't remember, but it's awesome. Yeah. I actually tapped some birch trees and we were drinking the sap out of it. Tastes like cotton candy. The stuff I'm talking about is actually called chicken of the woods. Latiporus (laughs) sulfurous. Yeah. I knew exactly what you're talking about when you said that. Sulfurous. Yeah. We get, uh, we get all sorts of delicious. Do you, uh, do you guys get fiddleheads up there? Yeah, in the springtime, mm-hmm. right, right around now, I guess actually be a good time to go and look yeah. for them. It's almost Maybe a little early season. Still. That's my favorite time of the year. I eat fiddleheads every day. Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, and they only grow for like two months, so yeah, they turn into big ferns. Yeah, and then they're not edible. I guess anything's delicious when you fry it with bacon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> butter and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, before we wrap this thing up, before I forget, we're not in a hurry or anything, but I'm going to go ahead and shout out our Patreons, all the people who help support the show. For as little as a dollar a month, you can do the same thing. So go on over to patreon.com and check us out over there. Old school guys, Donnie Dulovich, knifematerial.at, Aru Bladeworks, Brigham Kendall, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Richard Beck, The T Family, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Brad Troxclair, Zachary Sowell, Miller, uh, <laughs> Maritime Knife Supply. I almost said Miller Time. Maritime Knife Supply, Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, and Crafty Man Forge. Every one of these guys have went over to Patreon and gave us at least $1 a month to support the show, and we appreciate it so much, guys. And, this is uh, a Driver Defense Knives hat I'm wearing, and I got one of his T-shirts on. I didn't get nothing. I did a trade with him. Send him some micarta and ask him for some swag. Well, shit. Okay, Dustin, if you're listening, send me a t-shirt. I'll send you a t-shirt. How about that? Tradesies. I do. I do have some shitty micarta out in my shop that some guy in Maine sent me. I can ship that off to him. How do you know it's (laughs) shitty? You haven't even fucking used it yet. (laughs) One of these days I will. I'm going to use it for something. I slabbed out that whole block up yesterday on my buddy's lumber mill. God damn, didn't that stink? I knew. When you said you were taking it to a mill, I was like, oh, God, that's going to smell awesome. Yeah, hey. we're, we're slabbing it up. He's like, what's in that? And I was like, don't worry about it. It's all right. <laughs> you owe that guy a blade sharpen for sure. Yeah. yeah, we put an old blade on. He goes, oh, put a new one on. I go, no, 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 no. We'll put an old one on and go slow. You don't want to ruin a new blade on that shit. No, that's, yeah, that stuff's gross. Yeah. It smells bad enough grinding it. Yeah, true story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But man, doesn't it look cool when it's done? Sometimes yeah, it's great material. Yeah, I think I'll go it's ahead rock and, solid. and make a blade with it. You should have said you should make scales. the whole. You should make the whole blade with it. Like sharpen it to an edge, see if it takes an edge. You probably cool. could. That's as <laughs> hard as a rock. Do you want some scales, Jason? I can rip you down some cross cuts so the grains go lengthwise. Or sure, I, I've got two hundred and something pounds of the shit. <laughs> yeah, throw me a couple scales in with my next shipment of Humpty Dumpty chips. All right. I've had to resort back to these damn regular barbecue chips. Throw that in the trash. No, no, man. <laughs> I'm out of Humpty Dumpty's. They not probably... sell Humpty Dumpty chips over there? No, we have they none. Own... Do they have them in British Columbia? Yeah, of course. What are you talking about? They don't sell them down in their, down south? They only sell them in Maine. Y'all going to make you me know move. What? We also have ketchup chips and all dressed. Mm-hmm. The all dressed are an acquired taste. I'm not a huge fan of the ketchup ones, but no, I don't like them either. I just like to say that we 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 have them here. <laughs> yeah, dill pickle. They had clam chips for a while, but I think they discontinued oh. them. Yeah, that yeah. No, disgusting. I'd pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> like they should be soggy. I mean, I'll drink I'll drink Caesars made with Clamato, but I'm not eating clam chips. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> well, guys, we can go ahead and get ready to wrap this thing up. We've been going an hour and 18 minutes so far. Mike Jones, I now consider you my friend, and I'm glad that I got to spend an hour chit-chatting with you. And really appreciate you being on here with us, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me by. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk about knives and all sorts of other bullshit. Yeah, knives are pretty cool. I like knives. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you got an open invitation to come back on anytime. If you ever got something you want to announce or promote, you can use our platform to reach all four of our listeners. <laughs> right on. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, you, you got a pretty good list of Patreon there. You guys are making bank off of this thing. Any little bit helps because you can see me. I'm not in my shop. I'm in a studio. So la di da. Well, it's not free. That's the reason we had to start the Patreon. It's expensive to be here. Yeah. Should go. we tell them about uh, the collaboration knife we're doing? Ooh. Uh, are you there? Yeah, we can go ahead and do that. So I Jason didn't know if and we I had finished the details yet, but sure, <laughs> let's do it now. Well, there's not much <laughs> for details. The so Jason and I are going to do a collaboration knife. I'm going to do the blade. I'm going to etch my logo on one side send the blade to Jason. He's going to handle it, etch his logo on the other side, and it'll be a JK. It'll be a hustling grind blade pretty much. And then mm. we're, we're planning on raffling that off for studio costs. Oh, you and know what I could do idea. is when I get it, I can take it to my laser guy and I can have the, the hustling grind logo etched into the blade. Yeah. And then we could do both of our logos on one side and the hustling grind on the other, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's already got the, the files for my logo. Cause he made my stencils. If it's That's stainless, true, yeah. right. They, they can only yeah, edge stainless. It'll be stainless. Sweet. That sounds like a great man. Th- there used to be so much of that on, um, like all on Instagram years ago, like even before I was full time, like it was, there was all guy, all kinds of guys were like trying to help each other out, promote each other and, um, and doing lots of collaborations and, contests and uh like give away like big giveaways where you had to follow all the different makers and all kinds of things like that it seems to me like maybe i'm just not following enough but it seems like a lot of that's fallen off 
Yeah, I don't see yeah, much of that at all. Not anymore. I mean, I give blades away all the time. Remember like, the challenges? Like people used to do like, you know, 24 hour challenge. You had to make a knife in 24 hours and get a bunch of people in on it or, um, or, you know, you uh, take a picture of whatever you're doing right now while you're seeing this photo or something like that for it would float around and you'd like take your photo and tag three other guys that had to do it or something like that. And it used to be all kinds of stuff like that. It was just all about like pushing names. It seems to have fallen off. Well, you should start that back up, Mike. You could call it the make the internet great again. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have in my old shop where like I didn't have any kind of dust collection or a fan or anything. I would always end up with just this like thick layer of dust on my workbench and on everything in there really. And so I was doing this thing called sawdust Shoutout, where I would write a guy's name. One of like one of the guys that I followed, I would write it in the sawdust on my workbench and take a picture of it with like, I don't know, some piece of cool rusty junk that I would have around some old hand plane or something just for fun. And, um, and the contrast, it was like a bright yellow. It was an old countertop from a sink. And so the contrast would work out really good. It looked kind of neat, just handwritten in the dust. And I would had this like little little run of sawdust where I'd be like, go check out this guy. And it was kind of fun. And people should do more of that stuff. That's a good idea. We should all start doing more of that. Yeah. I, like back to a previous conversation we had in another episode where uh, with being an artist comes a certain level of ego. Because everything mm-hmm. you do revolves around you, you know what I mean. I, yes. I think I think that gets lost. You know, the the wanting to lift other makers up with yourself, as opposed to hold them down to try and bring yourself up a little further. Um, if that makes that's, sense, uh, that's something that I've been really pleasantly surprised about in the knife making industry. Is that for the most part, there's some assholes out there, but for the most yeah. part. Um, it's all pretty, I mean, just doing you know, some stuff like this, like, Hey, you want to come on our podcast and you guys get to make another episode. I get to chat with you and all four of your f- listeners will hear me. And it's like, it's just, yeah. Sharing the love around well, what is all- actually, what does Joe Rogan say? The rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Yeah. We're just using you to try to make it to five followers on our, <laughs> our uh, listener seat here. I'll tell Joe about it and get him on, on board. There <laughs> we I go. hope so. That's that, and that's not even a joke. That is my ultimate goal. When I first started making knives, I was like, if I can get Joe Rogan to want to buy one of my knives, not for me to give him one, but for him to want one, then I must have done something correct. That's true. And then what? What happens if you reach that goal? I don't know. Then we go from there. I make a new goal. (laughs) (laughs) But what could be better? Uh, I don't know. Getting paid a lot for my knives instead of <laughs> instead of paying myself three dollars an hour every time I sell one. Well, you if you get to the point where Rogan wants to buy one from you, I can almost guarantee if you tell him, "Hey, Joe, it's, this one's five hundred, He's not going to write you a check for five hundred bucks. He's going to kick you back a little bit because he knows what quality is supposed to cost. Well, a five hundred bucks to Mister Joe Rogan is a lot different than five hundred bucks to Mister Ryan Coakley. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but he knows that, though. He remembers. Yeah. yeah. He, he I, knows the value of a dollar. I always like to listen to him talk about growing up because he grew up not far from me. You know, he's from Massachusetts. I'm from Maine. It's a five-hour drive, you know. So uh, he he's a New Englander just like I am. Mm, hard people from the north and northeast. Yeah, that's what I'm told. 
<laughs> I'm kind, I'm kind of squishy and soft, but <laughs> well, not north right. enough. Well, guys, thanks for listening, and we hope that you all tune in again next week. Send us some messages and let us know what you think about this episode. And uh, go follow Mike Jones Knife and Tool if you don't already. I'm sure everybody listening already does. And uh, check out me and Ryan, too, if you get bored. And we'll talk to everybody again next week. See you later. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you playing the music? I didn't hear it in the intro either. <laughs>